Hey, it's Sean. This week on Tipple Theory, I cordially invite you to talk about liqueurs. Tipple Theory is the exploration of history and practice of creating alcohol around the world. On this show, we'll share some of the history of how your favorite beverages came to be, as well as techniques professional bartenders use to elevate your poison of choice into an experience worth savoring. Hello and welcome to this episode of Tipple Theory with your VSOP hosts. I'm Sean and that is... September! Yeah! <laughs> so uh, before we get started, please make sure to visit tipplethory.com today to find other episodes and ways to support us, namely Patreon. Uh, so today's topic is cordials slash triple sec, the cordial of, of cordials that you keep behind your bar. But before we get into that... Let's talk about what we've been up. We'll talk about what we've been up to this week. What you've been doing? Okay, today I had an adventure. <laughs> uh, uh, for this show, I remembered that the first time I remembered getting drunk was um, with Slow Gin and Squirt, and Slow Gin is a liqueur, and I was all set. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get some Slow Gin, and I'm going to do that. And then I remembered yesterday that, like, I can't have grapefruit because I'm an old lady now. And uh, I take statins, and you can't have grapefruit. I'm I like, almost oh. recommended Fresca, and I was like, oh, shit. Same thing. Problem. <laughs> yeah. like, Damn it. Damn it. Um, so that threw that for a loop. And I was like, well, I still want to do the Slow Gin. And I talked about it, Sean. I'm like, all right, let's do oh, Slow Gin. And uh, like a uh, fizz, because I mean I got to pay honor to my babysitter when I was twelve who helped me get drunk. Um, and I went to my local ABC store, and they didn't have slow gin. Um, and I was like, okay, really? Uh, this is weird. I mean, it's kind of a standard. And if you're going to be behind the times, I mean, it was really popular in the seventies, and. Uh, this town can be like that. I, I did know some other things that were wildly different. Our gin aisle has a lot more gin now. And that mm. was cool. Lots more crafts. Lots more. Although also, you know, we talked about flavored vodkas and that mess. Mm -hmm. I think it was like Seagram's has a whole line of flavored gins. It's like not proper infusions. Like some of these craft ones that looked amazing. I was like, it just... My snobby gin, like, ew, 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 ew. Like, I'm annoyed that Hendrix doesn't say what the added botanicals are in their special ones, the, the limited ones they come out with. But anyway, so I'm looking through all, I looked, did they put it with the gin? No. Is it with liqueurs? No. Absinthe was there. We'll have that discussion later. So please stop. Um, I So I went finally to uh, one of the, employees at the store and I asked him I'm like do you have slow gin because I can't figure out where you put it oh no we're out okay hmm. I like I didn't see a space for it though he's like yeah let me get the book like, all right so I'm standing by the counter with him I'm like do they have it at the other store? I can run over there. Like we've got a, you know, another ABC in the other part of town. He's like, and he's going through the book. He's like, okay, so to Kuiper, right? Like an, an arrow. And I said, yeah. And, um, uh, what's the actual gin that makes one now because of the P 
uh, Plymouth. Plymouth actually makes a slow gin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had found out in my research. And he's looking and looking, and I'm like, this is a bad indicator. If he can't find it in their book they order from, they may just never have slow gin again. It's not that they're out. Yeah. So I didn't know what the hell. And then he's like, I could just call the other store and see if they have some that I had just already suggested. Um, and he did. And they did. They said they had some. And they put it aside. He's, you want me to hold it for you? I'm like, yes. <laughs> because if it turns out I can never buy slow gin in this town again, not that I'm going to use it all that often. Um, I, I do want to get this damn bottle and yeah. for the show tonight. Um, so, and it was arrow and it was the only kind they had and whatever, they put it aside. So, uh, while I was at that ABC, this guy's setting up from Southern distilling. And I want to mention this because I know we talked about it, I think in our bourbon episode and I was really trashing on Southern distilling because their product was incredibly subpar, but it did come up that they were really young. When I went, they had just opened. And I tried several of their products today, and they are quite good. They have come a long way. Like now they've had time to age things. They've got some different rye recipes that I really liked. Like one was even specifically from the water from a creek that's on the property. And I don't know why the water changed that one so much. It had a spicier thing going on that I was like, I would like this one for an old fashioned. So the guy who was working there, uh, I believe his name was Patrick. He had been a bartender up North and he, he was, we were talking about smoking old fashions. Like, I think you're supposed to get one sample and he just kept giving me samples. And I was like, I can't finish these. I have to drive to the other ABC. Um, <laughs> Uh, from Southern Distilling. He was fantastic. And we talked about different methods of smoking. And I tried a few different uh, rye and bourbons to find the ones that I would buy from there. And it is local and I'd like to support them. So so that was fun. And then I went over to the other ABC. <laughs> and uh, they carry such different products um, that cool i i heard them talking about me which was weird like uh, oh man this lady ordered or had us put aside some slow gin what a yeah, weirdo like exactly some lady oh well no, she it, my grandma it was <laughs> right um i don't know somebody's just coming in like summer summer's coming for some slow gin and i'm and her friend's like oh i wonder if that's my friend summer and i'm like What's happening? But I'm browsing to see what they have that's different in the other ABC. And then I come to the counter. I was like, yeah, you were just talking about me. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> oh, the slow gin. That's for you. Said, yeah. She's like, summer. Hey, summer. No, September. And Lee's like, oh, you're not my friend. Do you want to be my friend? So that was cute. That, yeah, that's kind of cute. That's good recovery. <laughs> extra bonus to going out of the way to find this slow gin and ending up with crappy arrow slow gin. They had ginger brandy. Ooh. In that store. I was so excited and like two different kinds. So I at least was able to get one that's a little better, but I've been trying to get ginger brandy at ABC stores, three different ones in this area for the 20 years I've lived here. And it's the first time I've seen it in one. So that's cool. I'm excited. I probably won't open it until the holidays unless somebody gets sick and I need a toddy, but 
Um, so yeah, that was, uh, my, my grand adventure. Um, we had Chinese food tonight and I also wanted to share this because my fortune today said, you are the most of every situation. (laughs) (laughs) I think they just called you extra. (laughs) I was like, really, really? My fortune says you're a little much. I assume it's some kind of bad translation and it, it probably should have said you make the most of every situation, right? I don't know. I said, you are the most of every situation. And my husband was just like, I think they gave you our friend Tanya's fortune. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I guess that's about all of my uh, ABC adventure. Uh, yeah, North Carolina, bless your heart with uh, whiskey tasting. And when I got to the other ABC, by the way, Southern Distilling was also set up there. I could have just had some more free <laughs> drinking. Here, drink before you drive. Here uh, yeah. you go. Have some more. This makes sense. I mean, that's like the drive through liquor store that's right by Arizona State. That's been there since my parents went there. That I also used to go to. Like, like yeah, we know it's a bad idea. But it's legal. I mean, it's fine. You're just getting it to go home. I, I, I was, uh, But that's what, like, when I moved here to Texas... Yeah, uh, and this is post-pandemic, so I know a lot of states did this, but, like, you can get drinks to go. So, like, hey, here's your margarita to go. And it's like it's like a boba tea kind of kind of situation where it has, like, kind of like a plastic seal on the top. They give mm-hmm. you kind of a better straw. So, like, really all you do is take straw and stab, and you have margarita in car. Like, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So they only is- drive past one school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I like. I thought about making them, but I don't want to encourage it. Like I've seen the coffee mugs. Like this is probably full of wine. You know. <laughs> so, what have you been up to? Oh, uh, what a week! Um, started off with migraines. It was a weird week, and like oh, intense. Like if I stand up, I get so nauseous I want to throw up. Like just. Oh no. Um. Uh. So that that was that was lame. Uh, pretty much, I think I'm pretty much over it. I've been kind of up and down, but it's mostly on the upward trend. Um, I made, and we, we, you and I might have talked about this. I don't think we talked about it on the show. I, when we first started recording, I had an echo on my mic, <laughs> and and that's because I was standing next to a wall where my bar is, where I, I like to do bar stuff in front of. Uh, so I made a. We've mentioned before I made a hat rack, so now there's like hats and soft things hanging next to it to kind of dampen the sound. And I made this little holder that I can hang my other interface from because it's in like a little it's a Zoom H6, so it comes in a little holder pouch. And I made a, a mic stand for the top of that. So it's just this little V or U-shaped plastic clip that I 3D printed that has a thread on top. But I put my mic stand on, put my mic on, hung the mic interface from <laughs> that goes to my laptop. And I was like, I was all proud of this. And I was trying to tell other people. And they're like, what? Oh, okay. So you you custom designed and printed this one thing for this one specific purpose. Like, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, I'm a craft bartender and a craft maker. That's what 3D printers <laughs> are for, man. Very purpose built. Um, and But now it's, it's great because I, I can leave that set up there and that's good to go. I can go over here in my booth. Um, and so I was also, I've mentioned hanging up like my old consoles on a bookshelf that are behind me, like my video game consoles. Um, so I've been hooking and wiring all that up 
and I was trying to find, I have, presently I have a mechanical AV switch. So it's just like clunk, push buttons, switch from input one to input two to input. It's an eight system switch. And I actually have enough systems to fill the whole thing. But I also needed HDMI. I was like, oh, it'd be great if I can get like a mechanical HDMI switch. Do the same thing. Uh, it, they are incredibly hard to find. All of them are like mm. digital because HDMI, digital, digital gen, blah, blah, blah. Um, I can't find a, a clunky push button switch. And the part of the reason I want that is because I've had uh, HDMI switches for computers that are like USB powered. You plug them in, they're a little LED light. And it's like a, like a soft click button. Mm-hmm. I've gone through like four of them. I just, they just die. They break so quickly. Mm. So I didn't want to buy an HDMI switch. First, that had to be powered via USB, which some of these consoles can do that. Some of them are kind of old. <laughs> they just happen to have HDMI. <laughs> I am having one shipped from Australia because that's wow. the only place <laughs> I could find a mechanical button <laughs> HDMI switch. Why don't you just print one? <laughs> Theoretically, I, yes. I also know a circuit and chipboard manufacturer. So if I wanted to... Actually, I guess I wouldn't need that for HDMI. I would just need wiring and the clunks. Which I don't I don't know. I never I never looked into that. I could print, 3D print the case and the buttons. <laughs> it's like a whole different... We've, we've done so much tech talk this week. Hopefully, we both sound good now, finally. Because um, mm. <laughs> I also put up soundproofing and we did some troubleshooting and... I don't know how, you know, I had this mic this long and I'm supposed to be talking in the side of it. Uh, yeah. So hopefully we both sound good now. Yeah, I think we do. I think we sound good. We'll, we'll find out later. Once we get through talking about cordials. I'm, I am. So the, this week I'm drinking a, a white Russian, which uses coffee liqueur. Um, and I can already mm-hmm. feel myself getting warm. So <laughs> by the time we're done oh. with the episode, I might just be in a whole flop sweat. Oh, no. Yeah, my goodness. I love white Russians. I don't drink them anymore, but I used to just make them by the pitcher for parties. Who doesn't like drunk milkshakes? (laughs) I think I've only had like three. This is probably my fourth one that I've ever had. I don't don't know. It was just never my thing. They they do taste great. No argument. Like I discovered it and then I drank it a lot for a while and then I didn't anymore. Right. So what I thought was odd, and I didn't actually did mention it in our notes, so I, I can mention it now. So the White Russian specifically, and if you subscribe to Patreon, you want to watch me make one, that's that's the drink of the week. Um, but the there's it was a Belgian bartender that invented it. And uh, it's, it's vodka Kahlua cream. That is the, that's the recipe. I really, really feel like Oh, there's, there's had to have been a Russian before that just that just went milk, vodka, drink, <laughs> like that, that probably happened before 1950. I think they just called it Russian, like the same oh, reason the Moscow Mule is just that because it has vodka. Well, there's a, there's a whole other story behind vodka. Moscow Mule, and um, then you have the Kentucky Mule, and it, like they're all named after the spirit at this point. They are now. The Moscow Mule supposedly was given its name because it was it was what made vodka popular in America was that drink. So it, it literally muled over the spirit. Because before that, it was okay. gin and brandy. Uh, brandy being the, the first spirit made in America out of apples. <laughs> Johnny Appleseed. <laughs> mm, 
<laughs> Johnny Apple sloshed. <laughs> Why am I allowed out of my house? I don't know, but you're in your house for this, so that's good. That's true. I mostly work from home now. They're locking me down. Starting <laughs> to keep me under wraps. Only out for events and liquor runs. Boy, oh boy. So, we're talking about cordials. Well, week. you chew ice in the mic. Nom, nom, no nom. No level. I keep forgetting how sensitive the shotgun mic is. I use it for voiceover, and it's great for that because I can get all the intonation and all the, yes, you do love AT&T or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I also forget that like every time I breathe, I can friggin' hear it so bad. Yeah. I need like, I need to auto mute myself. Maybe <laughs> I also use like the nice, good, crunchy, eaty ice in my drink this week. So, oh, the like, good oh, yeah. ice. That's oh, a whole man. thing here. I I have the ice. I have an ice maker that just does this little countertop one. <laughs> it just makes chewable ice. So, cordials. Cordials. <laughs> the show. Yes, the show we're going to talk about with this stuff. So, this week's topic is cordials and i want to talk about that because it's this whole season we're talking about like what you should have behind the bar your basics of like every liquor that you should have behind the bar are kind of the generics and uh, cordials is one of them yeah it i feel like especially like when i was coming up as i was almost said alcoholic as a drinker <laughs> as, as someone who like to imbibe as a bartender cordials generally got a kind of the poo-poo the oh that's what you drink when you're underage that's what you drink when you have no taste. Yeah, it's like, you know, the schnapps thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, but it is an essential, essential ingredient behind the bar. Uh, so the with the word liqueur, which also means, not means cordial, but it is synonymous with cordial. So cordial and liqueur are the same thing. It is a sweetened flavored alcohol. Cordial, oh my goodness, I mispronounced it. Cordial liqueur, not liquor, liqueur. Yes. So they're interchangeable. So if you hear one person say one thing and one person say the other, in your minds right now, just marry the two. They had babies and they're all the same thing. You made a face and I said that. I probably should just, I should have stopped. It's like, just think of them as the same thing, but you know, no, they're, they're, in the, yeah, yeah. There was there was too many words. There was suddenly inbreeding, and I got confused. I no, think if we're going to say family. that there's one liqueur that you should have, it's going to be triple sec. Yeah. Right? Because the the rest of them are, are so – it's just a different fruit, a different berry, a different – uh, color flavor. I mean, we don't have to go into like, you know, butterscotch and all that madness. Um, <laughs> but it's like the purpose is to add a color and flavor to a base drink. Um, like if you want to make a margarita, you, you need tequila and lime juice and simple and well, not even simple because triple sec is very sweet. Triple sec is technically orange flavored. But it's light. It's not going to overpower it like, you know, some other cordials would. 
I mean, if you master that base margarita, you've got your triple sec, which you can use in a whole bunch of different things, and it's never going to be offensive, really, because orange will kind of go without anything. You can orange, you can use orange in a creamy drink, and you've got that creamsicle thing people like so much. But you can use orange in a, in a fruity drink. You can use orange in a bitter drink, um, and it's not going to upset anything. But get yourself, if you want to get adventurous, get some razzmatazz, a raspberry liqueur, or any of these other flavored fruity ones, and then you've got that flavor margarita all of a sudden. Just mm-hmm. replace the triple sec. And it will do that. You know, you want your vodka soda, like we talked about with bitters. Toss a little of that in, you're gonna it's gonna just change the character, you get a whole new drink. You can kind of do that with liqueurs, but it's a lot to keep a bunch of them on hand. Like the only reason I had several in the house at all was because the elderflower that I used to put in my gin before I found the elderflower tonic. Um, pomegranate, because I like to put it in champagne for the holidays. Right. Um, and I had the raspberry because when I was in Vegas years ago, there was a Deadpool mule. <laughs> and I took a picture of the menu and stole the recipe. And that was the thing making it red. Um, and I don't think I've ever used it since, but I don't, I don't know why I didn't just throw it in a margarita sometime. That would work. I mean, yeah. Uh, so margaritas, the, 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 that's one of those drinks you can easily, easily mess with. Um, but you were saying that the first thing that I thought of was a Kirschwasser, which is a, it's a German liqueur, but it's essentially like a cherry triple sec. It's a bit drier, but like, if you ever wanted like real cherry flavor, not not grenadine, which is pomegranate, but people keep using that for cherry, and not whatever decrouper or someone else's cherry schnapps. Like, no, this is like a very dry but very refined and intense cherry flavor. It's wonderful. So especially if you like throwing agave into your margaritas anyway. If you want to switch out the triple sec for a cure swasher, like, oh. And you still did lime, so you have like a cherry limeade tequila margarita thing going on. Ah! Oh my god, it'd be so good. At the same time, most people don't use Kirsch washer for anything. Like half the time, my chefs would steal it to make a dessert because I'm like, yeah, no, we're gonna throw this in some whipped cream, <laughs> do a cherry alcohol whipped cream thing. I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, that also sounds good, but is it the same as like Kirsch is generally how it's referred in kitchens? I I don't know. I've never had anyone call it Kirsch. Hmm, I mean, it okay. sounds like the start of the word, so. Potentially, yeah, yes. and that's the word I've heard. So we could figure. Yeah, out I mean, it, that sounds something like someone in the kitchen would do. Just be like, say the first syllable, like Kirsch. It's Kirschwasser, but yeah, that's fine. Shorten my name, dumb Americans. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so so liqueur. instant recipes, and this is another. Yeah. Oh, medicine, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, no, this is the so so the way I like to think of this, or the the way I started thinking of this, researching the show for this week was like it was this was the sweet counterpoint to vermouth, the sweet alcoholic, more alcoholic counterpoint to vermouth, or bitters really. Uh, it you know whereas vermouth, as we kind of talked about it, that was sort of in the aperitivo, the beginning of dinner. The digestifs is kind of where the liqueurs come in. Or they're they're the sweet, sometimes still infused with bitter notes, but more alcoholic, usually a little more fruity, a little more sweet after dinner, imbibing drink. 
I'm sorry, but but both. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't bridge that to the other end. Sorry, because so that's the two counterpoints that they but they they come from the same origin, which is as medicine. And and it's I think it very much follows the spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. <laughs> that's where you get your cordials. It's like oh yeah, well, we just add some sugar to it. People will drink it, drink their medicine then. And then meanwhile, there's a guy in the street going, "Buddy, I want to drink it anyway." Ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Do you want to talk about the 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 word? Oh, do you sure. Want to I believe it's bird. Go back into you know uh, making the medicine go down, being uh, other tradition. <laughs> well, and I, I I like myself some etymologies. Uh, so the French word liqueur comes from Latin, which I didn't learn how to pronounce before writing it down, <laughs> making that as a show for the show. Uh, Liquefache would be my guess. Um, although it also looks like liquor face if you're just looking at the word. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Liquefache is right. how I would say it, given but, my French. Oh, okay. Well, but you know. Like but it, uh, the, the root word in the Latin uh, means to liquefy, dissolve, or melt, which really, really makes sense because you're, in this case, infusing or dissolving your flavors into your base neutral spirit uh, and, and, and sugar being one of those things. So it, it, it is, it basically means, Hey, you're, you're making a, uh, almost an emulsion. Uh, uh. Oh no, I, I just lost the, uh, <laughs> the word for uh, not, not emulsion, not infusion, not concoction. Oh no. Well, now I'm good. Future. You lost me. I don't. I don't know what you're trying to say. <laughs> what What is the word for when you've dissolved something in a solution? Oh, solution. Okay. Oh my goodness, brain. Thanks. Thanks for failing me so hard. Oh, but, but you're you're making a solution. So that's that is another word for a solution, which I I like. Uh, so the word uh, dates back to 1735, roughly, give or take ten years. So the recipes for liqueurs have been around, <laughs> and this is, well, I like this because as I was researching, it's like, there's no dates. They're like, ancient Egyptians, man. That's, they, that's It's always the Egyptians. <laughs> they had everything. Look, they figured it out. They wrote stuff down. And <laughs> so then. So we can prove it. <laughs> and ta-da. Uh, but there, there literally have been f recipes found in ancient Egyptian tombs for, tombs for making liqueurs. Uh, this also goes, goes the same for Ancient Greek scrolls also had recipes. And, of course, European monks making the medicine. Of course. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's – and I, like I said, it kind of makes sense. Like vermouth, maybe it was like, oh, these are the bitter herbs. These are the things that are going to make you healthy. You're like, oh, well, these are the sweet things that might also make you healthy. And I think that just it sort of it rounds out the whole uh, medicinal pantheon of options to try to heal people. I love that you found it, that it was traditional to drink them like a, at a treaty signing. Um, yes. Cause that's, that's a, a ritual use in a way, but it also <laughs> is like making this medicine go down. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I, I, I'm, I, so I was noting or musing in our notes that I was like, I, I like, especially for a treaty signing, you know, the treaties happen at the end of a war, at the end of this long slog. And I, I, mostly it's a gut feeling, but it makes sense that that would transition into 
why it becomes a digestive, something that you drink after a meal versus before. Because mm-hmm. you know, cordials and the sweeter delicious. ones. I think that's what yeah. you think of cordials as being like a little dessert drink, right? Mm-hmm. And and, oh, and did you did you find anything about them being called cordials? Come to think of it, we talked about liqueur and the origin of that word. But I've got to wonder, and we should have looked up before the show, if cordial came from being cordial from these traditions. Uh, That's a good point. I don't know. You can talk about stuff. I'll Google it. <laughs> Google it. Uh, so there's, of course, more history. So that's the origin. So that's kind of like the deep, deep stuff going on with liquors and, liqueurs and cordials. Uh, but So they are synonymous terms, and they are liquors – Liquor, you're so a, a base spirit, and it can actually be any. I th- neutral is kind of what we think of now, but it could be a, a cognac. Think of Grand Marnier. Uh, but so they are liquors that are flavored and then sweetened. They can be made for, uh, from any base spirit. Uh, I actually have a note in here. So Spruceys says that all liquors are liqueurs, but not vice versa. So they're kind of using the the brandy cognac argument, or. All cognac, all cognacs are brandy, but all, all brandies are cognac. But that's not quite correct, only because that specific argument, brandy cognac, refers to regionality, not to what the thing necessarily is. Right. Cognacs are named after cognac France. They have to come from cognac France, whereas liquors versus liqueurs, you can make either of those anywhere in the world. So <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's it, their point, while notable and interesting, is not technically correct. Um, and I read that and went, "This is going in the notes." Because I, I, yeah, it, it's it's really really important. But liqueurs do come from liquors it, within a respect to the process of making them. Uh, wow. So, did you find anything out about cordials? I did, and actually, it wasn't. You know, well, I mean, it still is related from the same root word, um, but it came from Latin from core uh, of the heart. And with the medicinal stuff, they later uh, started saying, "Well, it invigorates you." But I found a few different sources. I only put one quote in our notes, but like the ABC store um, also was saying, it, "It's of the heart. It's core." I mean. All of us, I think most people know, whether it's C-O-R as the root or C-O-E-R, U-E-R is the French core. So, yeah, it's of the heart. Yeah, it's good for your heart. It's because we love you when you're being so cordial. Your big warm hug in my tummy, Tom. (laughs) And heart. Uh, so other other quick things to note that kind of historically evolved with liqueurs and cordials is they're generally not as high proof, and that's because you're usually adding stuff to it. Now, if you take a, a vodka and just add orange peels to it, it's generally not really going to reduce the alcohol content, but sweetening it does. Uh, so you're actually adding volume at that point. Uh, so they're, they're usually between the lowest I think I've seen is – what, 20 proof? I, and it's rare that you'll find that. But like at that point, you're looking at something like a Bailey's where it's like they've mm-hmm. added like tons of cream and coffee and stuff to it. Uh, but they can be you know, 20 proof to 80 proof generally. Uh, 80 proof is a, also kind of rare. That's like that's a really high test and probably very dry. Yeah. Liquor. 
Uh, they're generally somewhere in between. 50, 60 proof, I think, would be average. This, uh, this slow gin is uh, 30 proof. Yeah, 15%. Okay, I actually would have guessed higher. Hmm. Nope. Interesting. So uh, one other historical note that I thought was kind of fun. Uh, but so, so we really, that's like cordials, they're, they're early uh, progenitors as far as their you know, liquor. Oh, liquor plus stuff equals medicine. And then it just kind of keeps growing up from there. But I, this one bit that I liked is uh, Catherine de' Medici who wed Henry II of France, introduced the culture of drinking liqueur into the French court. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Because it's, I mean, as we already talked about, liqueur is a French word. But it actually had to get introduced into French society and the act of drinking this as a thing. Uh, and it like just like vermouth became a thing amongst, amongst royalty in Europe, cordials, had the same process of going from a medicine to going a, the, the, the fancy thing to do with your pinkies up and your little glasses, drinking your cordials. Mm-hmm. So it's okay, it's okay to keep drinking after dinner if you're being fancy. Heck yeah. I mean, we're full. We got to settle our tummies, man. <laughs> Let's get some Jaeger up in this house. <laughs> Jaeger's a cordial. <sighs> Is it? Does it, it is. have enough sugar? Really? It's it's. If you get past the awful taste, you'll notice the sweetness. Yeah. I guess. Okay, I'm gonna do another drink, but I'm gonna use this sparkling Sicilian lemonade mm-hmm. by Fever Tree. Please sponsor us. Yeah. Mm. All right. Are you ready to get in the? Wow, well, that's stuff? an improvement. Yeah. That's such an improvement, by the way. <laughs> and is that, are you still are you adding lemon, or is this like simple slow gin lemonade, or is it just? I, I did add a little lemon, but less uh, mm-hmm. than previously. So a little lemon, little simple slow gin, and this lemonade. I could probably just do the slow gin and lemonade, but yeah. having the other stuff a little fresher to get that fresh lemon in, you know. Nice. Because I always I like the I like the pit, not the pith, the other part. The rind. Oh, um, the fruit. Yeah. Hey. No. All right. So I looked into the legal classifications and um, there was, it was, oh, well, it broke it down and I just copied the law because I'm used to reading that kind of thing. <laughs> but cordials and liqueurs are flavored distilled spirits that are made, spirits, I'm slurring, dang it, um, that are made by mixing or redistilling distilled spirits with or over fruits, flowers, plants, or pure juices therefrom, or other natural flavoring materials, or with extracts derived from infusions, percolation, or maceration of such materials, and containing sugar in an amount of not less than 2.5% by weight of the finished product. Uh, Designations on labels may be cordial or liqueur, um, or it may be one of the type designations that's further down in the legislation. So cordials and liqueurs may not be designated as straight. <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> you, want, you want me to say something yeah. nasty there? I was, I was going back to the whole fruity thing earlier. Um, the, 
Uh, the designation of a cordial or liqueur may include the word dry if sugar is less than 10% by weight of the finished product. So if you're between that 2.5 and 10%. <coughs> so you wanted to say something um, about absinthe there, and I wanted to say something about this dry situation. Yes. Uh, and I... Did you delete something from that note or am I? No. I was just super excited to read that. So, uh, so I had a note in here that I had a feeling <laughs> that when I was reading that I absolutely is technically a liqueur, or sorry, a liquor, and it's been incorrectly classified as a liqueur, even though it's not sweet. But in any absinthe I've ever had, I always thought was syrupy. And had added sweetness to it. Just not hyper sweet. But no. <laughs> I, and seriously, I, I, I like, and of course, like, yeah, you're supposed to. to, to I mean, you pour it over sugar. And- yeah. Um, and like, I think it's, you're thinking of the wiki. You probably opened the wiki because there's a wiki about absinthe that does say exactly that it's incorrectly classified quote uh, comes no. up. No, I didn't open it. Yeah. Um, and I found absinthe at the ABC today. They had it with the liqueurs, but it's not. It's not typically bottled with sugar. I ended up, because I saw this, like, <laughs> we're a little back and forth about absinthe, and I would certainly never treat it um, the same way or use it the same way as I would use liqueurs in a drink. Um, but it's not typically bottled with sugar. I looked at all different brands and like, no. So here's one of the things about absinthe is it it is generally very high proof. It it doesn't start at 80 or a hundred percent. It's, it finishes usually at 115 to 120, uh, sorry, proof hundred. But there, I, I'm it's fairly confident <laughs> it doesn't have enough sugar. It certainly does not have more than two point five percent by weight, even if they do add sugar, and it's not typically bottled or bottled with sugar in it. And it's also a much higher proof. The, so it, the proof, I, the proof portion, I would be willing to concede on for sure, uh, just because it is so high proof. But so is limoncello. Like and limoncello is a liqueur. It's way more sugar, though. Right, it does, but I, 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 but it's usually a little less proof than absinthe. So that that might I still think that there is sugar added to it. Uh, I, and I've I've had plenty of straight absinthe. It's not, but it yes, it's not with sugar. Is <laughs> traditionally and typically not bottled with sugar. With added sugar. See, that's added sugar. I wonder if that's the impression you get. Some people are sensitive to some of the herbs that are sometimes used in absinthe, like um, anise and slippery elm, I think sometimes is put in absinthe, and that gives a a feeling. I would put slippery elm in it just to try to make it smoother. Um, mm. But it's no, it's not typically bottled with added sugar. But some of the herbs might give an impression to your palate that it was sweeter than it is. I always find it syrupy. I mean, I hmm. I wonder. 
because then that wouldn't work for like the I had some craft cocktails where they they keep absinthe in a spritzer, um, because it's a nice aromatic spritz to put on a drink as a compliment to other things. Um, oh, but all right, sugar so would clog that all up. I had a brain thought, which is not <laughs> normally how I describe them, but. So I, I also uh, I like arak, which is a uh, kind of of a Mediterranean liquor uh, uh, liquor. Okay. Uh, so a lot of a lot of it you see in the uh, liquor stores now, like you find it like they're from Turkey, okay. around, around about that area. Um, and it's a, it's an anise liquor, uh, usually right. roughly hundred proof. Uh, so what's what made me that is it has the same kind of syrupiness. That I find that absinthe has, and I so I quickly googled that because like that's what that's what was, was also sticking to me is that that it's syrupy, like it has a a a thicker texture than like a vodka, right? Also, okay. So so here here's where I think maybe uh, I'm I'm messing up. Um, You're conflating. So I so I find both to be syrupy. Okay. I find both to be sweet. Iraq is also not sweetened. It's just anise, and I think it's maybe the oils coming mm-hmm. out, because uh, that's the one thing that they both do is they both louge when you add cold water to them. They cloud. Yes, and, and that's, that's the oil it works falling so out of suspension because it will kind of right. dapple on top. And I think it's just there's so much oil in that uh, in that suspension in that in that liquor that it's it's making it thicker, more syrupy. Okay. I'm I'm here wrestling with my absinthe-filled glass to try and pour some and get a grip on this because it just does not come across syrupy to me, and I would never refer to it as a liqueur. It's an infused liquor to me, infused. Yeah. Anyway. And I find it like it's so bitter. They put that other stuff in there, and you have to pour it over sugar to overcome like the wormwood. <laughs> Weird. Well, yeah, I was about to say like I don't find it that bitter, but I've had plenty of malort, so that's probably <laughs> napalm. You're just you know. ruined, <laughs> right? <laughs> malort for you want to have a fist fight with yourself. <laughs> someone actually uh i was in a video meeting for work earlier today and someone's wearing like an open flannel with a t-shirt under it and i can just see the middle of the t-shirt and there's the microphone i went is that a malort t-shirt that person just started nodding like yeah <laughs> like oh my god <laughs> jepson's malort uh by the way for anyone that doesn't know has a very distinct a coat of arms that they use in their label it's like a shield with the frilly stuff around it and then like a diagonal like stripe with like red on the outside white that is a base and then like i want to say blue stars in the middle it's pretty easy to pick out and uh yeah it's self-identified my personage as someone that also likes to torture their taste buds so all right wait did you get open yeah hey So I'm tasting it more carefully than I normally do just to, but anyway. Yeah. I really think it's just the quality of the herbs, like Mm. that the, the anise and stuff 
makes your brain think sweet. Like it's not syrupy in a way that like I just had it on my finger. And it doesn't like it doesn't dry sticky or anything. Like there's not enough sugar to even make it tacky. Hmm. Well, speaking of anise and fingers. I'm going to put this in this uh, drink and see what happens. Ooh. <laughs> oh, it could be good. It could. All right. So speaking of which, how are cordials used presently? Uh, so they're cons- when they're consumed by themselves, as we kind of mentioned before, they're, they're after-dinner drinks. They're digestives. Um, how is it? Is it good? It's pretty all right. <laughs> I, I only use a tiny bit. I'm going to add a little more lemonade because absinthe is so strong. Um, it is very strong. Note to anyone take, listening. Yeah. It can take over. But this is definitely something that like a squirt or a dropper mm-hmm. elevates this into something that is uh, more in my category of cocktail I enjoy. So there. <laughs> and it's, instead it's, of like the shit that matches my nail polish and that freaks me out um. <laughs> uh, so liqueurs drunk by themselves if you're going to drink one by itself generally it's going to be an after dinner drink so lemoncello as I mentioned like that's uh, at least here in America very popular to drink after a meal like I used to get requests for that all the time uh, same with Grand Marnier uh, I used to work for a guy that who there was a there's like an extra grand or a super old, like a hundred year old Grand Marnier that you can buy. Uh, and that's, that's what he would, he owned the company that I worked for. So he would just, every time we'd go out to eat and be like, yes, give me the whatever XO Grand Marnier and come out in a little snifter and like, oh yeah, $75 per ounce. I'm like, that's ridiculous. I'll have a double makers on the rocks. Amaretto I would put in this category as well. A good Amaretto I could see for sure. Um, they, I don't like amaretto, <laughs> but it's, it's another Sean does. <laughs> but I mean, I, I get it. I yeah, oh God, I, I knew so many people that drink amaretto and Dr Pepper. Um, That's exactly. I was recording part time gamers with the other Sean, yeah, one of the other Seans the other day, yeah. and that's what he was drinking. And he was saying that you would probably be so ashamed of him. And he's a patron now of our show, and he wants to learn ah, to crap. do better. But I told him, I was like, no, actually, because this Sean was using Dr. Pepper to make bitters. So you're going to be okay, man. Oh, I mean, I like that I didn't even need prompting to call him out on what he drinks. And I know, and I like Dr. Pepper. Uh, I, I have some very weird probably fond memories of dr pepper and malibu in high school um Oof. with with my friends and, and be like well yeah we can all get drunk on one of each of these bottles um, yeah. i was very fortunate uh, the first time i ever had limoncello was um a restaurateur in my hometown back up north uh made small batches and my mom knew them mm-hmm. and we got like the first time I ever tried it was a handcrafted limoncello and holy moly, what a beautiful, beautiful drink that was. And now people get all excited. Like, Oh, I've got some limoncello. Do you want some? And I try it and I'm like, no, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's spoil me. It's goofy. Cause it's not hard to make, yeah. but you have to 
Well, <laughs> like with a lot of cocktails and like a lot of people I would teach, you have to pay attention to what you're doing. Uh, so I've been making limoncello for probably almost 20 years. Uh, I first had it when I was 19. Uh, I went to Italy where my brother was living and he, we, we toured all around Southern Italy and it would take me different places. And we, amongst all the wines and the other things that we were drinking, uh, I had limoncello. I was like, oh, this is, this is cool. This is really fun. Like it was like after dinner one night, it was him and his wife. They lived on, she was in the Navy. Uh, they were staying kind of off base on this portion of like a local vineyard. Mm-hmm. And that was the idea. Digestif pulled out a bottle of limoncello. I'm like, what's that? He's like, you're going to find out. <laughs> and, and it wasn't like we were trying to go shot for shot. It was just so cool because you would keep keep it chilled mm-hmm. and sweet, and it's high proof um, that you just you just sip it and you go like, "This is delicious." And you have another, and like we're half a bottle down. He's like, "We should stop." Like, Why? It's like, well, because you're 19 and you don't know any. Stand better. Stand up and you'll know in a minute. <laughs> yeah, I can't feel my legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in order to enjoy it, I feel like I would have to make it because I was immediately spoiled. So I, yeah, and I, I mean, I'll I'll tell you, and I'll, I'll show. Well, shoot, we could, we could, we'll do that as one of the patron videos. But it's sure. you you have to you have to use a very high proof alcohol as a base. Everclear is usually what I use. I live in North Carolina. That's not going to be a problem. I was looking today, and they have. They have whole rows in our ABC of uh, Everclears mm-hmm. and Moonshines. I saw a different 190 proof alcohol today that wasn't, it wasn't, I don't remember what it was called. I should have taken a picture. But anyway. Yeah. I see new ones every once in a while, but that's, that's it is. Anyone I've ever talked to, and I, we did a competition at my restaurant and I made the best limoncello at the best restaurant in Atlanta. And it, it's because everyone else was like, well, I'll use... People are using regular vodka. People are using 120 proof vodka. I'm like, no, you need 195 proof. You need to be using stuff that'll that'll melt your face if you touch your face after you've touched this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> then you add lemons to it, and it's it's things. It's not hard, but it's you you got to start really really high up there, and then when you dilute it down, you're diluting it down with simple syrup, and that, and that's how you get it done. And it's delicious. Oh my gosh, it's so good. We, we probably could do a show on limoncello. Yep. <laughs> so, cordials, besides being drunk by themselves, uh, generally are mixed. They're in mixed cocktails most often, uh, which I guess is really, if you're not going to drink it straight, you're going to mix it. Uh, so, they can add sweetness. They can add complexity, layers of flavors. Triple sec, as we already talked about, like that's one of the go-tos behind a bar. Like if you're going to have a cordial, that's the one you should probably have just because it's used so often. Um, and it adds a little, little soft citrus note. It's not quite lemon. It's not quite lime. It's orange, which is that kind of sweet sour. That To me, it's, it's one of those perfect in-betweens if you just need to add mm-hmm. a little something to a cocktail. See, um, and the weird, that was a weird thing. So I want to get back because now we're back in the triple sec. Um, this dry thing. Because it's mm-hmm. referred to back in the legal definition, like, because we think of in, in the world of drinking, like with wine or whatever, there's sweet or dry. Mm-hmm. And dry having its own characteristics. It's not like people ask you, what what is dry? Well, it's not sweet, um, but it's not sour. It's not <laughs> tart, exactly um, dry. But triple sec, the word sec is the French word for dry. Um, and it's like triple dry. So even though triple sec is very sweet, 
apparently, even though they derived this use sec as a triple dry term in this context, apparently it means distilled. So it's triple distilled. Maybe right. go try to do the etymology. It looks like it means triple dry. Um, it is technically dry because of flavor. Like you said, it's the orange, but not being from juice mm-hmm. of the orange um, flavor wise, but it's from being triple distilled. Right. And it's, so there's, there's a little bit of uh, uh, tweakiness there. So, so triple sec, like you said, like it, it's French. Uh, the, the sec French, the triple sec was invented in supposedly in France by Jean-Baptiste Combier. Uh, I might have been close on the last name. Pretty good. And, and his wife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in 1834, but it came from a pre-existing tradition of creating orange liqueurs called Curacao, which came from the Dutch. <laughs> the Dutch. Uh, so, so the so that already that already existed. It was the triple sec was trying to stay true to the orange uh, fruit flavor, uh, whereas Curacao quite often. Uh, there's so many kinds, and I said it was around for a while. They would add other herbs to it. They'd kind of spruce it up. And so what uh, Baptiste was trying to do was trying to stay true to the orange fruit flavor. Uh, but they also generally just used the rinds, not the whole fruit, because I think they were just trying to extract the, the quote-unquote pure essence. So I, I think they that's dried also them. And they, they did dry them. And, and then <laughs> soaked them and then distilled them. Right. Right. So they were really trying to just go for the concentrated flavor and they did dry them. So it's, it could have also just come from the fact that they were drying out the rinds of the fruit. Oh, also to note, uh, that they, so the Curacao was also imported and got their name from the island Curacao where the oranges came from that made that beverage. In triple sec, they were using two kinds of oranges, uh, a dry, a bitter orange from Haiti and sweet Valencia oranges. So they were, like I said, they were really just trying to go for orange flavor, but they're also using a bitter, also sometimes you might think of as dry orange, Mm -hmm. then a sweet orange to balance it out. So much fun. It's so crazy how all over the place, triple sec in particular, and Curacao is... I mean, from Haiti and France and the Caribbean, like there's all this <laughs> just to make, I don't know, the, the cordial of cordials, I suppose, for a base um, or an addition. I learned, I never realized my whole life, of course, I didn't keep drinking slow gin when <laughs> it wasn't 12 anymore, um, that the slow berry is a thing. Like, yeah. I guess I never looked at the bottle. Like, I knew slow gin. It's that red stuff. <laughs> slow berry was just a guy that lived down the street. It doesn't look very red in the bottle, but it is. Yeah, it looks um, purple in there for sure. Yeah, but then it, it's it's very, very red. Um, but it's it literally says slow berry liqueur on it. S-L-O-E, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in case people don't know. But it's the berry of the blackthorn bush. And they're hard to grow, but you can grow them uh they generally just like to live where they're native to um but i um you know me i might try to get some and grow one but they're generally too um the berries are generally too hard to 
eat on their own. They're super, super, super sour. Um, birds love them. And they're also very hard to harvest because the blackthorn bush has like big, it's like a 15 foot tall bush with big gnarly thorns. Like literally, like I got this Maleficent shot glass for a reason today to make these drinks when learning about this, where slow berries come from. And it's the same family of fruit um, as plums and cherries. And I think that does give a good indicator for where the flavor ends up once you distill and sweeten it. So, huh. I didn't know that. That uh, came sorry, from the, the drunken botanist book that I love so much. I learned a so, lot about those plants. <laughs> I knew, I knew slow gin was made from slow berries. I knew slow berries is a thing. I didn't realize they came from, from blackthorn. Uh, cause, uh, so I, I have a shillelagh, um, and so shillelaghs are traditionally made from dried blackthorn, uh, which I knew cause it's, it's a, as you were describing, they're thorny, they're incredibly, it's incredibly dense wood. They don't grow thick, you know, they maybe a couple inches at like at their most mature. Generally they're about inch, three quarters of an inch thick for their Right, but they're branches. dense, so it's perfect for that weapon. Right. It's perfect for... Or a walking stick. Or a walking stick, I know. Governor. I just think of the cantrip, so. Right. <laughs> but, like, so, like, that's, uh, yeah, it's, yep. long story, but started having some back problems. So I was like, I should get a cane. So I found, like, a estate sale. I was like, oh, yeah, my grandpa had these for, like, 100 years. I'm like, sweet. I will buy that dry blackthorn cane. But that's, so that's how I knew it. And, like, there's knots all over it, so they're incredibly thorny. I did not know that the slow berries came from that bush. That's awesome. Um. I, fun fact, most, most, not a lot of people, well, some people might know the, the, the Long Island iced tea came about because there was a cocktail competition in the, in the seventies, 1972 to create a new cocktail involving triple sec. And there was a bartender. So as the story goes, there, there's still some contention out there, but as the story goes, there was a bartender named Butts. That's his last name, so that's what we're going to use. That combined all these liquors, including triple sec, and made the Long Island iced tea, which is now the bane of every bartender and the joy of every college student (sighs) until they've had three. (laughs) Yeah. That's a mistake. I already shared my other fun fact, and that was that Curacao is an island in the Caribbean where the fruits come from, and that's where you get Curacao. Yeah. And it's orange-flavored, even though it's blue. And yeah, Although you can get orange curacao and you can get clear curacao. I never knew curacao was triple sec. I always just thought of it as a different thing. Um, well, it's not. It's still and different. it's not really having a taste. Like I still say curacao is orangey. I always just think is well. It's always mixed with all this stuff, and I don't tend to drink a lot of drinks in that you know category of sweet stuff. It's just like really sweet. I think my biggest encounter with blue curacao was whatever was in those things they were calling blue whales. Uh, it was my 21st birthday and um, I was at a gay bar in Buffalo and it tasted <laughs> like Kool-Aid and it was blue and I was dancing on the bar at some point. It was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, I don't go out of my way to drink anything blue anymore. <laughs> I mean, that's smart overall. I would recommend (laughs) 
that yeah that's a good rule to have uh <laughs> at a gay bar in buffalo i was at a college bar in rochester <laughs> and like we have fish bowls and like this is just me like i showed i plane landed at eight in the evening checked in a hotel google closest bar i walk in it's insanely loud i realized i was old but i was like well i still want to drink so i sat down and like i see like literally see these kids like walking away with giant either fish bowls or pitchers of a drink and the bartender's like charging them like 20 bucks i was like oh oh that looks like fun 15 minutes later the bartender gets to me and i was like hey uh and i like looked at the person next to me like are you waiting to order a fish bowl and she's like yeah and i was like great (laughs) becky um i was like great it can like can like can i buy her a fish bowl and can you just pour me one glass of that and they're like, oh yeah, sure. And I'm watching it. Say it's like grenadine, triple sec, vodka. And I was like, oh god, that's terrible. <laughs> but I can see why you can only charge why you can charge twenty bucks from that and make a profit because you're using terrible versions of all of those. I'm sure. Um, and they're like, that's so nice of you. I'm like, no, nope, no, nope, that's <laughs> I'm not being nice. I just don't want to have the hangover you're this gonna is have. Self preservation. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm here to have a good time, not a bad time. Plus, I have to teach tomorrow. You're a teacher? I'm like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> so, did you learn anything new this week? Oh, you already put, I think you already said that. Sorry. Yeah, we had kind of moved into that. Like, I, I learned, well, I learned a couple things. Like, that triple sec was about being dry, but then it was about being distilled. And the, mm-hmm. that Curacao was classified like, this is a triple sec, is what I kept finding. And about mm-hmm. slowberries. Because I'm so, a dunce and didn't know a slow berry was a berry. I thought slow gin was, I don't know, a cute name or something. <laughs> it doesn't taste anything like gin. I knew that. Because it's not as fast as the other gins. <laughs> it definitely wouldn't be at 15%. No. So one of the things I learned, so I've, I've been drinking Grand Marnier for a long time. and I knew it was cognac based. I did not know that it was sweetened with beet sugar. I did not know that either. And I, so I have a long torrid history with beets, mostly because of borscht as a child. Borscht is cold beet soup. And I had a mother that was like, you should eat this. You know what? I I can relate to a lot of Russians in that part of the country or part of the world now where it's like. I've never had borscht and I. Anger issues. I'm like, yeah, I get it. You eat borscht so much. Uh, So, and I, I also then learned through other research that, that, a lot of liquors and distillers use beet sugar because when you uh, condense it down to that much, beet sugar has almost no flavor. It's just sweet. So it's a very good additive uh. to a li- liqueur without adding any flavor where you just want sweet to be coming Because you want the flavors of whatever you're purposefully putting in. <laughs> yes, exactly. So with that... As I mentioned before, the featured cocktail this week is the White Russian. Yes, the White Russian. Favorite of dudes everywhere, or the dudes everywhere. <laughs> uh, so it is, it's a very simple cocktail. Uh, it's one that generally if you're training to be a bartender or you're studying cocktails in top 75 in the U.S., it's one you'll come across. Uh, it is in a, usually in a bucket 
or so basically a larger rocks glass filled with rocks, equal parts cream, vodka, and Kahlua slash a coffee liqueur. You don't have to use Kahlua, but that is the, the standard. Uh, I didn't tonight because it was 10 bucks cheaper. It's <laughs> like, yeah, it's $10 I can use somewhere else. You know, that's another thing I noticed my ABC, by the way. There mm-hmm. were a lot of coffee liqueurs all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. A lot. For sure. I, and like, it's... I'm used to seeing just Kahlua and then a bunch of knockoffs. Mm-hmm. But apparently crafters have gotten into this now. Yeah. I mean, Patron has a coffee version. I mean, so like all the high-end brands have a coffee I mean, Jameson has a cold brew. Like, I saw like, that today. Jameson <laughs> had a bunch of flavors. Jameson had a bad batch somewhere and was like, we got to sell this shit. I there were so many flavors. I was like, what is happening now? Right? They, they've got an orange Tic Tac flavor. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I would assume it would taste like, the orange. It's disgusting. Um, I, I tried it. I really wanted to like it because I like Jameson, but... You know what? It is make something good. Just do the thing. Please do the thing you're good at. Just keep doing that. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I want. Um, but yeah, that's that. That is that is the cocktail I had for this week. And do you want to you want to describe your cocktail one more time? Just for oh, for giggles. so I I'm drinking uh, slow gin on the rocks. I've I've got a little lemon juice, a little simple syrup. And um, my my favorite variation of the evening was I was using club soda, but I've been using this uh, sparkling lemonade that Fever Tree makes mm. and uh, a little spritz of absinthe. <laughs> so I went from slow gin and squirt to a gin fizz to now I've created something. This is fun. That's guys. a good this night. This is why we do this show, right? <laughs> Dude, no, finding a good combination is that's magic. Like that is the best. It is, and right. that's why we we talk about this. Like, all right, what once you have that arsenal? Like, all right, we talk about a whole category of things. If you could pick mm-hmm. one, what would it be? Once you get that there, start playing around, right? Yes, yes. And that, I mean that is that is the point of this season. Partially is is this is the basics you need behind your bar. Once you have those, that's like having like salt, pepper, oregano, your basic spices. And then from there, you start start figuring out other things and pulling in other things. But you, you have to know your base flavors, and then you have to taste everything that you get and build on that. But when you do, then you understand, like, oh, you know, I'm drinking this thing. You know it would be really good if I add a little bit of this. Mm-hmm. And, and it's... I. It's it's my favorite thing I've ever said to someone that I trained that then back to that parroted that back to me and went, you know what the most important thing you ever said was? Was know all your ingredients, taste all your ingredients. Mm-hmm. It's like and cooking. I was, yeah. Oh, it is. It is. It's cooking it's- for people that are more slightly more social. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I am garnishing with, with fresh lemon and my homemade maraschino cherries. Um, on that note, for non-alcoholic options i did think about that mm-hmm. yeah you could make like something very akin to a slow gin fizz with some of the liqueur like the cherry <clears throat> sorry like liquor but different spelling like it's the leftover stuff from your cherry juice it's cherry mm-hmm. juice basically um and some lemon and something fizzy 
you're going to get a similar thing. Yeah. So that's one thing I put in the notes for our, our little cocktail PDF, um, which I've been trying to remember to, to make non-alcoholic notes because I also don't drink every day of the week. I like non-alcoholic things. Uh, but cordials specifically, that's one thing that like uh, flavored syrups, Torino being like one yeah. of the big brands. That's, that's where those come in. Italian sodas, any of those kind of – and you can get sugar-free ones, so even though they're flavored, depending if you have a, an, uh, an aversion – not aversion, but uh, an allergy to any of those fake fake sugar stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you do or don't, just don't drink in moderation, even if it's non-alcoholic. <laughs> and it doesn't take much. You make a good simple. Yeah. Right? Cup of sugar, cup of water. Boil it up so it stays in a solution. And you can put anything you want in this. Go mm-hmm. in the yard. You know, you throw some fruit in it and then you're going to want to strain it, keep it in the fridge. I like, I love rosemary. I, I keep rosemary simple in the fridge most of the time. Uh, a lemon thyme, like anything herbal, you could put in um, a, a La Croix mm-hmm. and it's going to be way less sugar than anything like drinking a soda. And it's like having a cocktail, throw a piece of lemon in it. <laughs> no one yeah. will know. <laughs> No, yeah, and it's so it's yeah, flavored syrups, especially when it comes to cordial placements, are your friend. You can do the same thing with berries. You can do it with raisins if you want it to. You can throw raisins in water and start to boil them. Sugar, a fig liqueur today. Oh, Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah, I like figs. <laughs> I like figs too. Yeah, that was the first time I ever had like a preserved fig, like from a jar. And I was like, what the hell is this? This is still, it was like, it was kind of like eating a date, but it was fatter and juicier, but still like preserved and super sweet. Oh my God. It, anyway, <laughs> those are some excellent, the, 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 not, the NA versions of where you can go with cordials are, are actually fairly wide and uh, easy to come by. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend. And with that, I think we're ready to close out the show. Well, you had a any wait, you had an alcoholic recommendation. Didn't say out loud. Was it the syrups? The shrub. Oh, you're. I am so sorry. I forgot. I forgot because I wasn't. I was going off of memory. I was going off book. Uh, so outside of syrups and flavored syrups, uh, shrubs. So what a shrub is is essential essentially a a drinking vinegar usually they're sweetened usually they have fruit and or or herbs added to them but it's a whole category of drink uh they're not very popular in america uh overseas especially in europe uh and southern europe going to the mediterranean and north africa commonplace commonplace to have drinking vinegar uh and it's 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 something that is slowly very slowly gaining popularity in america a few bars especially craft bars, you'll see something and something and a shrub or, you know, an in-house lemon thyme shrub. Th- that's what they're doing. It's a drinking vinegar. And again, usually they're sweetened. Uh, but what's great is it's not, uh, when you have a vinegar, it's acidic and it's tart, but it's not like citric acid, like what you would get from orange lemon lime. It, vinegar has its a very own acidic value to it. Uh, so when you add that to a drink or you, even if you want to do like, I've had like a really good, like rhubarb shrub. So it's bitter. It has sugar in those. So it's, it's rhubarb bitter. It's vinegar, it's tart, sour, 
and then it's got sweetness to it. I'm like, wow, this is like you can see why people would drink vinegar. And it's it's not like any cocktail. It's not like any other drink. It's a unique thing in in and of itself. Uh, but very much, you know, if you're just looking out and going interested in having a good experience without having alcohol, shrubs are a really, really good way to go about it. And it's something you can easily do at home as well. So, yes, highly, highly recommend shrubs. And it ups your cocktail game, too. If it's something that you want to add out and you can add to alcohol, it goes over very well. Um, We're going to yeah. have to talk about that in a show at some point because I have a cocktail book where they talk about a lot. It's all about infusing, infusing, and I had browsed through it and I haven't read much about shrubs. And now I got, I'm happy I got that description of what's going on with that from you. And I will definitely be experimenting down the road. Um, and it has a lot of recipes that use them. So it's already been cool. added to the season notes. All right. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, folks out there, please chime in by emailing us at tipplethory at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to like, follow, review us on the listening platform of your choice. Next episode, we'll be talking about brandy and cognac. Woo! Please check out patreon.com forward slash tipplethory today, where you can become a supporter and get access to video of our cocktail of the week being made and other behind the scenes goodies. Thank you to Scott Gesser for writing our theme music that you're listening to right now. You can find him and links to his music at scottgesser.weebly.com. Nice. Nice. <laughs>